Isaiah chapter 6, and I uh, want to kind of settle this down on some scripture today. Uh, it's been, uh, been a while since I've actually been behind the pulpit. Uh, we had, of course, uh, the uh, couples conference and the missions conference, and then uh, I got sick. And so it's been quite a while, uh, it seems anyway, that, uh, that I had the opportunity to uh, preach. And uh, I am looking forward to uh, this particular message. It's something that God spoke to my heart about. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And the whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. You pray with me and for me this morning. Father, uh, Lord, we we thank you that we've been given uh, such an insight to your throne. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would... Cause our voice to be heard. I pray that, Lord, you would bend your ear to the prayers of your people. Uh, Lord, I pray that, Lord, we would be bold in this time. I pray, God, you would help strengthen the church. I pray for the believers today, uh, though the, the, the political climate around us, Lord, does not look good. And uh, the social problems around us do not look good. But, God, you're still on the throne. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we've been given insight, Lord, to this vision uh, here in Isaiah 6. Give us grace, Lord, to receive what you would have uh, for us today. And may, Lord, souls come to know you as Savior. And may your people, Lord, rise up. May your people, uh, Lord, uh, uh, to uh, respond. May they respond, Lord, uh, to, to your grace and to the, the hour of need that uh, our country is in this morning. And we'll give you the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Quite an amazing, an amazing vision that uh, Isaiah gets here uh, in chapter six. Of course, this uh, is uh, uh, one that you don't frequently see in the Bible. Not that there's not in, uh, heavenly visions and visions of God in the Bible, uh, but this is one that's very interesting because it does come on the heels of 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 a of a political crisis and and uh, and really a national heartache. Uh, for the nation of Judah, and that would be the death of uh, death of Uzziah, uh, the king. And so, when you look at this uh, this uh, this vision that God gave Isaiah, uh, is is one that I think that we need to be reminded of today. Uh, but reminding us about this particular time in Judah's history, it's 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 a time of success. In fact, this, uh, the nation of Judah had risen to incredible prominence uh, among the other nations. And up until this point, uh, Judah enjoyed some success and, and uh, blessings. Uh, the nation uh, as a whole uh, had enjoyed decades of, of economic growth uh, under Uzziah's leadership. 
There had been political stability uh, and financial, if you would, expansion and, and mili- the military was built and uh, things were being done that, man, was really uh, in contrast to uh, other times in Israel's history. Uh, nothing much compares to uh, what was going on during these 52 years of, of this king's uh, reigning. And, and by the way, the, the ultimate doom is coming for Judah. Uh, that was even in view of what was going to come. There's going to be one other, or maybe two other kings that are going to, uh, attempt to turn the nation of Israel, of Judah back to God. But for the most part, they are heading to ruin, uh, the nation itself. And the principle that we need to remember is that though a nation may be great, Without goodness, it's destined for ruin. The greatness without godliness ultimately brings ruin of a nation. The Bible says that righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And though a nation may be great, but if a nation is not good, if a nation is not righteous, the nation is heading to ruin. And that's why it's very important to understand as you look at this that Isaiah is in, if you would, the midst of, of, a, of a good time in Israel's history. Uh, but it is on a decline. You find that in the first five chapters uh, of Isaiah. And some details given to this are, are very interesting as you, as you look at kind of the backstory of, of how this nation was during this time. If you hold your finger there and go back to the book of Isaiah, uh, rather, rather Second Chronicles chapter 26, and uh, this again, a little bit more of a backstory uh, to Uzziah in his reign. And it's good for you to see these, uh, these principles and compare those, uh, th- this, this nation to uh, the nation that uh, we live here in America in today. If you look here in Isaiah, or actually Second Chronicles 26, and verse number 1, the Bible says, then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father, Amaziah. So here's a 16-year-old boy uh, coming on the scene and uh, taking the king uh, kingship and the throne uh, of Judah. And the Bible says in verse 2, and he be- built Eloth and restored it to Judah uh, after the king slept with his father. 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign. And he reigned 50 and two years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name also was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. So here's a 16-year-old boy. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's, uh, he's going to do something great. In fact, I don't know. I mean, if you would probably get behind closed doors and talk to, uh, young Uzziah, 16 years old, he would probably say something like, we're going to make Judah great again. Uh, we're going to make Judah great again. We're, we're, we're going to get back to where we ought to be doing. And, and, uh, and there's no doubt that uh, uh, he had a vision and a dream of what God uh, would do with him. And so, but under his reign, God blessed. In fact, the nation of Judah became famous. And, and you, think about, you think about this, folks. Think about 52 years, one king reigned. From 16 years uh, on, this, this, this king, this young Uzziah, uh, uh, rose to prominence. It would be like having the same president in America since 1968. 
It would be like uh, uh, us having the same, if you would, and not, not a turmoil, and not a change, and not election fraud, and all the stuff that we have to deal with. Uh, 52 years, and he was given, this king was given abilities, this king was given uh, inventions uh, that other nations uh, around him did not get. Uh, other nations would love to get what he got, but uh, uh, they were not given that. In fact, verse 14, the Bible says in Second Chronicles 26, and the Bible says, and Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the hosts, shields and spears and helmets and harbogens that would be uh, armor uh, and bows and slings to cast stones. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones with all. So, so the, the technology uh, of, of the day uh, was centered in Judah. It was, it was given to these, these cunning men, military inventions. And, and I want you to note, I want you to note here that, that it wasn't Uzziah's wit. It wasn't Uzziah's leadership, but rather it was Uzziah's humility that God was blessing. The success came as a result of the people as a whole seeking God. And I believe this, I believe that, uh, that, uh, that leadership in any nation is a, is a microcosm of that, not all the time, but for the most part, is a microcosm of, uh, of a nation, any, any, any people. And so during the beginning of his reign, uh, God was blessing, God was working. In verse 4 it says, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought God, the Lord, God made him to prosper. And so a great verse in verse number 5, as long as there was a seeking, there was going to be blessings. As long as there was humility, there was going to be blessings of God. And so as you find here, the people were seeking God. What does that mean? They were acknowledging God. They were acknowledging his word. They were acknowledging his ways. Uh, the people as a whole re- respected God. They respected, they, they wanted what God wanted. And there was a, if you would, a gratitude. And there, there was desiring to be in the house of God. And God's house was not a place that they, they, they wanted to stay away from. They, they wanted to get to the house of God. They wanted to sing the praises to God. They wanted to give to God. They wanted to honor God. And the people were seeking God. And God was blessing the nation. What an incredible blessing that was. And, and you contrast that with uh, the nations that uh, uh, did not want God. And there was no blessings. There was no protection. In fact, verse number six, it says, And he went forth and warred against the Philistines and break down the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabeth and, and the wall of Ashdod and built cities upon Ashdod and among the Philistines. And, and so God is delivering the nation from their enemies under Uzziah. And it seemed to be no end of the blessings. It just seemed to, to be on and on. I mean, we've got, we've got towers and we have, we have engines, uh, uh, built by cunning men to hurl stones and arrows and, and we had a military strength and economic prosperity. And it seemed to be no end. No end. And as long as there was humility, 
there was going to be blessings. As long as there was a seeking of God, there was going to be blessings of God. And I believe this, uh, that our nation, our nation has enjoyed 244 years of blessings. And I know that the, 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 the view of, of, of our destruction is, I think, in, in full, full view, but the rise of a, of a nation was predicated on the blessings of God and the humility of people. But you'll find here something very interesting happened because not only was Uzziah and during this time the blessings of God on the nation, but began, began to be uh, brought into a downfall. And this rise of a nation is always predicated on the blessings of God. And the downfall of a nation is always connected Always connected with pride of the people. And that is always met with a withdrawal of the blessings of God. When the people lift themselves up against God, you mark it down. God just withdraws his hand of blessing. But everything's going well up until verse number 15. Watch what it says at the end of verse number 15. Second Chronicles 26. The Bible says, and his name spread Far abroad. Now watch this. For he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Here is a king that was marvelously helped. Uh, I believe I, as, as, as I look at this, uh, it wasn't just uh, Uzziah. It was him being helped by Almighty God. Him being in, encouraged and strengthened marvelously by God. And I believe our country is as young, really, as it is today. We have been marvelously helped by God. We have. Our military has been helped by God. Our, our industry has been helped by God. Our, our constitution that we've been under for the last 244 years has been a marvelous document that was given to us, I believe, by the hand of God. Our education and our uh, even infrastructure and all the inventions that this uh, country has had over 244 years has been the marvelous blessings of God. Civil War, we were marvelously helped. During World War One and World War Two, and the Korean War and the Vietnam War and Desert Storm, War on Terror, and, and through the Great Depression and through all the difficulty that we've had, we've been marvelously helped by God. We've been a blessed nation. We've been a gifted nation. We've had natural resources in this in this land and natural borders. But the rise of a nation is predicated on the seeking of God by the people. The downfall of a nation is always connected to pride, which is always met by God's withdrawal of blessings. The downfall of a nation starts with the lifting up, the lifting up of our hearts. I want you to look in verse number 16. Look at the... Conjunction, but, verse 16, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. Now everything is going well up to this point, and, and as long as, as God was working, and as long as there was humility, there was blessings, and, but when he was strong, something changed. His heart was lifted up. And then it says here, to his destruction. Remember, 
The nation has been enjoying decades of success, decades of military strength, decades of economic expansion, expansion. But there's always, always a danger to success. Always. There's always a danger that we believe that the present success will always be here. The, the present economic expansions will always be here. The, the present military strength that we have will always be here. That we'll not be like other nations as America. We'll, we'll not uh, fall to uh, uh, other nations. There's always a danger in the thinking that as long as there is, uh, there is someone in the White House that's a Christian, then maybe we'll be okay. And then we almost have the idea that, boy, things are good if there's a good conservative in the White House. And, and I'm for a conservative being in the White House. I'm for a Christian being in the White House. But that is not going to be the answer to our nation. Not at all. There's always a danger in thinking that, boy, if we just get the White House right, the courthouse right, we'll be all right. Now, I want to remind you this morning... That Satan loves to weaken nations. He is in the weakening nation business. In fact, he works very difficult, very hard, and he's very successful at weakening nations. In fact, Isaiah 14 says this, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? Satan weakens nations. He weakens nations financially. He weakens nations socially. He weakens nations politically. He weakens nations uh, 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 in, in many different ways. And Satan seeks to do that. He seeks to shake kingdoms. He seeks to deceive nations. In fact, when he's let out of incarceration in Revelation 20, he works again to deceive the nations. To bring them to a battle of Gog and Magog. So here's the principle. When a nation is humble. And seeks God. A nation is blessed. When a nation is lifted up. And transgresses against God. A nation is always brought down. Always. That's why verse number 16 is very interesting. Because it says his heart was lifted up. To his destruction. You realize year after year after a while you think you're, you're okay. And your strength and your intellect and your wit and your inventions have somehow insulated you from any danger. But what happens here in this verse number 16 is more of a, a national disobedience. Though the king did it. Though the king Attempted to burn incense into the temple of the Lord. But if you look at a national transgression here. Look what it says here in verse number 16. The Bible says for he transgressed against the Lord his God. And went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And so when you when you enjoy success as long as you... Uh, as you have here in this time, the heart can be lifted up in pride. 
And the Bible says pride goeth before destruction and a halty spirit before a fall. I would look in verse 17 here. And Azariah the priest went in after him and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. Now think about this. So here's the king Uzziah said, I'm going to go and burn incense. I'm just going to make it up. I'm going to call right wrong and wrong right. I'm going to do something that is not in the Bible. It's not prescribed in the scripture. I'm going to do my own thing. And I want to thank God for those who would stand against those that want to do wrong. I want to thank God for those four score priests, those 80 priests uh, that stood. And I, I in my mind, uh, have, uh, have uh, these men standing between uh, the king and the, and the temple and, and forcing him and pushing him, saying, no, you cannot do this. This is not right. Yeah, you, you cannot do this. Uh, you, you can't make up what is right, king. You can't just do your own thing. You can't challenge an almighty God. You can't just put your finger in the face of an almighty God and expect uh, that God is going to continue blessing. Thank God for those that speak against the king. Thank God for those that try to stop people from doing wrong. We ought to pray for preachers. We ought to pray for those that stand against wrong. We ought to pray for their voices to be heard. We need the people of God to speak for God. Men of God to speak truth. Voices of truth. Voices that are counter-cultural. That speak the truth in love. We can't violate the word of God and God expect not God to, not to judge us. You can't point your finger in the face of God and say, God bless me. You don't lift up yourself against a holy God. And so you'll find here they stopped him. Don't do this. Would to God we had people that would wave their face in the culture, wave their face and their, lift their voices to the culture and say, stop, stop. We just can't make up right. We just can't create our own morals. And you'll find here they became furious in verse 19. And Uzziah was wroth, angry. How dare you stop me from doing this? How dare you hold me back from doing what I want to do? And that's a perfect picture of society becoming furious with those that speak truth. Becoming angry with those that stand for the absolute word of God. I believe this. I, I believe we're somewhere between persecution and, and prosecution in our country. God's people. I, I believe we have soft persecution as it is now. Or they just speak softly, but it's getting more difficult. False accusations, uh, uh, you're going to be lied about. You're going to be hunted. You're going to be vilified. You're going to be uh, uh, those that cause division. And, and you'll find that this uh, king was angry. How dare you stop me? How dare you stand in the way of what I want to do? And in verse 19, it says, And while he was wroth with the priests, you realize God has a way of speaking up. Right in the nick of time. <laughs> and while he was wroth with a priest, the Bible says here, verse 19, I want you to look at it in your Bibles. The Bible says, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. It's amazing here. So he's angry. You got 80 priests. What a standoff. 
And you have the king wanting to burn incense, doing something that was not right to do. It was not predicated. It wasn't given to him to do that. And all of a sudden, the leprosy begins to form on his forehead. It's interesting, isn't it? This was a visible sign of corruption. Up until this point, I mean, his heart was already corrupt here. Uh, Now it's visible. Now you can see it. Now you find that the nation, as you can see the national disobedience here, the nation, as we know here today, is now having visible signs of corruption, political corruption. Visible signs show up when there's diseased hearts. Visible signs show up when the heart's already been diseased. Religious corruption and media in our country, media corruption. The heart of the country is sick. The heart of the king here is sick. And now there's a visible sign of leprosy that is forming. The Bible says, he that being often reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. When the righteous are in authority of the people rejoice, but when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. And so you find here that this nation rose to prominence, rose to fame because of humility. And now we find the nation is being brought to ruin because of pride. That's why Romans 1 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination. And listen, And their foolish heart was darkened. Do you realize a foolish heart is just corruption? A foolish heart that is darkened is the result of corruption. The king had leprosy. A visible sign of corruption. The Bible says professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of an uncorruptible God into an image made of corruptible man and birds and forfeited beasts and creeping things. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. What should we do? Now, Uzziah is now going to die. Isaiah, it's all really he's known. 52 years of the same king, and now he's dead. Now what? And I don't know about you, if you go back to Isaiah chapter 6, I don't know about you, but not only are we having to deal with a COVID, we're having to deal with political instability in our nation. We become the laughingstock, the laughingstock of the world. Our media, our churches, Our politicians, 
the corruption. There's visible signs of corruption all over our nation today. And that's just as a direct result, a direct result of a nation that's lifted up in pride to its own destruction. Gone are the days of humility. Gone are the days of revivals. Gone are the days of all-night prayer meetings. But what should we do in this kind of situation? What does God want you to do in this environment? I, I, I believe this. This is a pivotal time. A pivotal time. Because in verse number one, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, pivotal time. It was his very year. Now, if you just stop at the first part of the verse, you can probably look in Isaiah's study and say, Isaiah, how you doing? I'm not doing good. King's dead. Not good at all. I mean, under his leadership, he wasn't the best king, wasn't the greatest king. But man, look at the strength that we have as a nation. Look at our military strength. Look, look at the other nations around us that are fearful of us because of what he did. I'm not doing good. If you would just talk to Isaiah, you would probably get a picture like all of us are feeling right now. What are we going to do? How do we act? How do we move forward? Well, I think it's right here in this text. God here responds by inviting someone into his presence. Wow. Here's what it says. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Do you realize that God is not out of control? Not at all. In fact, if I were to go to heaven right now, God would probably be sitting back with his feet up. In fact, the Bible says in Isaiah 66 that the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. <laughs> so God is ruling with his feet up. That's a powerful God. He's not looking at the political corruption, he's not looking at the, 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 the election of America and saying, what are we going to do? How am I going to respond? No, 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 no. God is on the throne. And I look at this and I know that this uh, is not a great environment, but, but God responds by inviting someone into his presence. And God wants people to come into his presence. Over and over again, you'll find God inviting people to come, opening the door for people to come. In fact, Matthew 11 says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Psalm 100, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. God wants people to come to him. 
God invites people to be drawn to him. And you got to want to be drawn. You got to want to be drawn to the Lord. Oh, I saw the Lord, he said, sitting. And he says in verse 4, And the posts of the door were moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house, the house was filled with smoke. In other words, God wants to shake up your world. And the king, the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. So number one, God responds in times like this by inviting folks to come to his presence. Are you one of those? Do you want to be drawn? You spend most of your time searching conspiracy theories and looking for another news article. It's going to agree with your opinion. Are you going to go to Drudge and Fox and CNN and CNBC or even Newsmax? Or will you get into the presence of God and realize that there is a God in heaven that is not out of control? He's still on the throne. I dare say that God invites you to be with him. And when you do that, (laughs) you'll find verse number five. Look what it says. Verse 5 says, then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Number one, God responds by inviting people into his presence. Number two, God responds Rather, rather, Isaiah responds by seeing himself as God sees him. I'm unclean. I'm unclean. In fact, the people around me are unclean. Now, to this point, he has not seen, he may may have had some some duties in the temple. He may have had some duties to speak for God. But up up to this point, he he has never seen the holiness of God until this moment. And when he does, he sees God for who he is. He begins to see himself for who he really was. He was an undone sinner. That's why, that's why, ladies and gentlemen, that's why... The You Matter movement is godless. The You Matter movement is godless. It's anti-God. The seeker-sensitive movement that lifts up man and does not humble themselves before a holy God is not pleasing to God. When you get a vision of who God is, you'll get a real clear vision of who you are. He says, I'm I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. And you'll find here that he responds with humility. He's no longer lifted up with pride. Not that he was, but now he's low. What does God want us to do in an environment like this? Number one, he invites people to come into his presence. And when you come into his presence you will respond by seeing yourself as God sees you. But I want you to notice verse number six, because there's a response here by God. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongues from off the altar. 
And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips. Now watch this. And thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged. God responds by forgiving. <laughs> so, 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 hey, Uzziah is dead but I'm still on the throne and I invite folks that God to come into my presence. And when you come into my presence, you're going to see yourself a little more clearly of, of who you really are, but I'm ready to forgive you. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to forgive this, 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 uh, this, this coal, this piece of coal was a type of the cleansing and atoning power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And when it touched his lips, the Bible says the iniquity is taken away. Listen, when you come to Jesus Christ for forgiveness, the iniquity is taken away and thy sin is purged. It is in the heart of God, ladies and gentlemen, to forgive. It is in the heart of God to restore It's not in God's heart. He doesn't want to judge a nation. He doesn't want to judge uh, a a family or a church. Uh, He doesn't want to judge. He wants to forgive. It's in the heart of God to cleanse. It's in the heart of God to restore. It's in the heart of God to heal even a nation, not to destroy. What do you do in an environment like this? Number one, God invites people into his presence. Isaiah saw himself as a sinner needing a savior and God responded by forgiving. And I like verse number, verse number eight. Watch what it says here. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who, brother, brother uh, Daniel was praying this already. And who will go for us? Then said I, here am I. Send me. And he said, go. And I want you to see the word here. And tell this people. Regardless, listen, regardless of what they're going to do in terms of hearing, because it says, hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat. Make their ears heavy. Shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. They're not going to listen. But regardless... If they listen or not, Isaiah, will you go? Let me say this. Let me say this. God wants those that would speak for him. Regardless if they're going to listen or not. Regardless if they're going to take heed or not. Regardless if they're going to bend their ears to the truth or not. It matters not. God wants people to speak for him. That's a question right there. Would you, would you do that? Here am I, Lord. Send me. Ooh, ooh. God said, Isaiah, I'll go. I'll do it. Now watch this. There was no volunteering until he saw the Lord sitting on the throne. And when he got a vision of God, his life changed. It changed. He says, I got a mission now. I got a goal now. I got a reason to live now. I got purpose now. I'm a voice for almighty God. And here's the question that you and I have to answer. Would you? participate in what looks to be an unsuccessful ministry. How about that? You realize there was a day when the people 
here in America wanted truth. There was a day when people loved to be in the house of God. I'm always concerned that COVID-19 maybe could be just an excuse for some people not to come back to the house of God. And there, there may be some that they didn't even miss it. <laughs> they don't miss the house of God. I'm talking about God's people. They don't miss it. They're, they're comfortable just sitting on the couch and watching reruns of I Love Lucy. But to come to the house of God is not something in their mind. They don't think about it. They don't care about it. But there was a time in our nation that there used to be revivals, week and month revivals and two, three-month revivals, all-night prayer meetings, people getting saved, lives being changed. There was a time when the people feared God. There was a time when the word of God was not rejected. There was a time when it was accepted and desired. There was a day when revivals would last and people would speak about the name of God. But it has quickly changed. And so in verse 9, he says, go and tell this people. Begins to tell them, or Isaiah, that you know what? You're not going to like this, the success rate. Because he says in verse number 11, then said, I, Lord, how long? How long is this going to be like this? How long will their ears be dull? How long will they not listen? Here's what he says. Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant and the houses without man and the land be utterly destroyed. Now, I believe this. I I don't believe a nation needs to go down that far to turn back to God. But here in Judah, the heart was so hardened. The heart was so cold and callous to God. That it's going to get very difficult. And verse 12 says, And the Lord have removed men far away, and they be a great forsaking in the midst of the land where God is just gone. I'm done. But verse 13 is a question I want you to really drill into your heart and mind. Verse 13. But yet in it shall be a what? Tenth. And it shall return. And shall be eaten, the teal tree and the oak, whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves. So the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. He says this. He says, you know what, Isaiah, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna go out and you're going to speak. The majority are not going to want it. It's going to look unsuccessful. One in ten people will return. One in ten people will listen. One in ten people will give ear to what you're saying. Now, here's the question. If one in ten will listen, would you go? I mean, would you, would you be able to, would you want to take the ridicule of the nine? Would you want to take the false accusations of the nine? Would you want to be lied about by the nine to reach the one? Because only one-tenth of those that you speak to are going to actually turn. What are you going to do in an environment like this? Well, the plan of God is to draw men to his presence. The plan of God is to forgive. The plan of God is to send. And the plan of God is to work what looks to be an unsuccessful ministry. But ultimately, 
there is coming a day. There's coming a day when we as God's people will be in his presence. There's coming a day when the message of the Lord Jesus Christ will reach that last person and the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise. There is coming a day. And so as God's people, wow, we are privileged, privileged to be able to go, to be a voice. We are privileged to be able to speak against the tide. We are privileged to be able to reach that one in ten. We're privileged because, you know, one in ten is still one in ten. (laughs) It's one. And as God's people, would you be a part of that? Because Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Not everyone will hear it. Not everyone will care. But for Isaiah's day, one in ten will. And I say this. Let God have all the numbers. Let's be obedient. Let's do what God would have us to do and be. So what do you do in an environment like this? Come into his presence. Turn off the TV, turn off the news, and realize that God is sitting with his feet up, <laughs> not out of control, and he's got an ultimate plan. And his plan is for you and me, you and I, to go with our voices and speak on his behalf. Because one in ten, one in ten will hear, one in ten will return. Is it worth it? Yes, absolutely, it is, it is worth it. It is worth it. Because Jesus saves.